0: Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we? Okay, so we're like very mediocre this morning, huh? All right. That's fine. Sometimes we have those mornings. Good to be with all of you. My name's Ryan. Uh, for those that are new or visiting, I'm the lead pastor here at Arbor. And if you're new and just jumping in, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And the purpose of this series isn't to learn like tips and tricks so that we can have like these beautiful, peaceful, harmonious relationships and marriages and relationships with our coworkers. It's not so that we can live our best lives now. That's not the purpose of this series. If those are byproducts of what we learn here today, great, awesome. But but this series proposes the thesis of this series is that spiritual maturity and emotional health are inseparable. That it's impossible to grow as a follower of Jesus and be emotionally unhealthy and, and have your life full of emotionally unhealthy relationships. And so the aim of this series is to get really practical about growing in our ability to love each other to grow in our ability to love each other better. Because I believe a huge barrier for our growth in this area is our emotional health and our emotional maturity. And so what we're doing is we're just looking through the scriptures to see how we can become emotionally healthier followers of Jesus and how we can have emotionally healthier relationships with other people. And last week, we learned that in order to grow in our emotional health, we can't simply focus on our external relationships and how to interact uh, in a healthier way without also diving inside to see what's going on underneath the hood, looking at our own hearts. And that's not a fun thing to do, it's oftentimes not a pleasant thing to do, but what we saw last week is that God calls each and every one of us to to become self-aware, to to, to be self-aware. And simply put, being self-aware means knowing and understanding your emotions and motivations. And you see, God invites each and every one of us to step into that because he has not designed us as as simply thinking beings, as as these merely rational creatures uh, that operate on concrete facts alone. We have been designed as these complex beings who are not just thinking beings, but we are emotional and we have feelings and we have desires and we have wants. more aware that each and every one of us are of, of our hearts and our motivations, the healthier we will become and the better we will be at operating in relationship with other people. And we saw last week that this begins by, by going before God and being with God humbling ourselves with him, and and bringing those emotions, the good ones, the difficult ones, the easy ones, the pleasurable ones, and asking God to help us navigate those things to become self-aware. And so this week, we're, we're moving on. We've got another topic, and I don't mean to discourage all of you this morning, but it might be one of the most difficult topics we address in this series I think many of us are really, really bad at this. I myself am not great at this. And this week's topic is is simply put, the skill is listen deeply. In order to grow in our emotional health, we need to learn to listen deeply. Now I saw this picture kind of meme thing a little while ago and I thought it was funny. I don't really identify with it, but maybe some other husbands in the room can identify with it. It goes like this. my wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening to me, were you? And I thought to myself, that's a pretty strange way to start off a conversation. <laughs> I don't get, I've never struggled with this. It's never been my problem, but maybe some other of you could, you know, identify with that. <laughs> listening, like really, truly, deeply listening to another person is not easy regardless of your wiring, regardless of your personality type, regardless of the, the, the kind of home that you grew up in. Listening deeply is, I don't know how else to put it, it's hard work. It's really hard work. There's this TV writer, his name's Robert Lezebnik. Um, he said this about listening, I liked this. He said, talking is like drinking a great Cabernet. Listening is like doing squats. <laughs> listening is like reading a corporate report talking is like eating a cinnamon bun <laughs> so quick survey squats or cinnamon buns what's the what's the take <laughs> cinnabon all day long right i'll take a cinnabon that's, that's beca- we, we all would because because talking is sweet talking is like eating sweets and listen if talking is sweet then talking about ourselves is even sweeter Talking about ourselves is even sweeter. In fact, one Harvard medical study done a few years ago uh, said that the parts of our brain that light up when we eat comfort foods like a Cinnabon or like pizza are the same parts of our brain that light up when we talk about ourselves, in fact, it's the same part of our brain that lights up after a hit of cocaine. I'm not sure who did that part of the experiment, but they found that out. And so needless to say, we enjoy talking about ourselves. We, we really enjoy talking about ourselves, and everyone is talking all the time. We are talking. But here's the problem. Very few of us are being heard. Very few of us are being heard, and here's what I know to be true. None of us will ever find the authentic uh, connection we're looking for with other people uh, in a one-way conversation. It's not going to happen. We're not going to find it there. And I think that all of us desire deep in the core of who we are as people, uh, whether or not you like socializing, maybe your ideal Saturday is just being home alone in your pajamas, watching Netflix all day, and the last thing you wanna do is social interaction. But even for you in the room, I think that deep down inside, we long for that connection with other people. We long to know other people, and we long to be known by other people, but that can only be found through deep, intentional listening, listening to other people. And what we see throughout the story of scripture, even from the very beginning, is this idea, this concept of listening. In in Deuteronomy, there's this prayer, it's called the Shema. And and Shema in Hebrew simply means to listen, or to hear, or to pay attention to, or or to focus on. And, And in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, it says this, It says, hear, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with your whole mind and your whole being and all your strength. And so from the very beginning, deeply embedded in, in, in our relationship with God and his call for us to love him is this idea of listening, is this idea of hearing, And this is woven throughout the scriptures. We see it as Jesus calls to his disciples and they hear this call and they follow him. We as present day disciples, we hear the call of Jesus and we follow, we listen and we obey. Paul even writes in Romans, he says this, he says, consequently, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. A few months ago, we were studying the book of James, and and James writes this, he says, Understand stand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to what? Listen, Listen. slow to speak, slow to anger. This is just a small sampling of what the scriptures say. You know, as you you do a a survey of uh, the entire Bible, this idea of listening, this idea of hearing is mentioned some like 1500 times. 1500 times. And so, if the scriptures speak that much to a topic, then what should we do? We should listen. We should pay attention. One one more quick one before we jump into some more practical stuff. Uh, a verse, a set of verses that I like, Proverbs 17. It says this. It says the truly wise person restrains his words. And the one who stays calm is discerning. Even a fool who remains silent is considered wise, and the one who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. Now I, I like these verses because I, I find that like even if I'm in a conversation and I don't know what to say or I don't know what's going on in the conversation, that like some of the time, most of the time, that the best thing is just to keep my mouth shut. Because then even in the midst of that conversation, I can still be seen as wise and not a fool by keeping my mouth shut. But I think even more importantly in this, uh, something really interesting that we see here in Proverbs 17 is this word here for discerning. The word at the very end of Proverbs 17, this word discerning in the Hebrew word carries with it this connotation of, of compassion and understanding and care. And so I don't think it's a huge jump for us to make this connection between listening to other people, like really, deeply, truly listening to them and loving them. This theologian, David Augsburger, he writes this, that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Think about the last time that someone sat with you and, and listened to your story. Listened to what was going on inside of you, your struggle, the circumstance, the situation that you were wrestling with. What did you feel in that moment as that person was listening to you? Was it was it love? Henry Nowen, another pastor and theologian, he writes this: From experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, you know they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. So I think what we see the scripture saying here and what what, what these wise people are saying is that when we listen deeply to other people, we love them deeply. That to listen to someone is to to love them. When we listen to them and deeply enter their stories and are present with them, we give them our attention, we try to understand them, we are showing them deep, deep love. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we lost this. We we lost our way. And, And I think we know all of these things, like in our hearts, I think we know all of this to be true, but but it's become increasingly difficult for us to, to practice this. And so here's what I want us to do before we jump into some really practical stuff. In order to bring this closer to home in our real lives, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about someone in your life. Think about someone in your life that needs you, you specifically, to listen to them more. And maybe it's a friend, Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a, a, a coworker or something. Get that person in your mind. who, who needs to listen who, who do you need to listen to more deeply? Because listen, those people are longing to be heard. The people around us are longing to be heard, desperate to be understood. And so if we want to grow in our ability to listen deeply, here, here's what I think we should do. And this is modeled after the the life and the way of of Christ, and it's called simply this. It's called listening incarnationally. Listening incarnationally. In order to listen deeply, we must listen incarnationally. And you might be like, well, what does that mean? That sounds sounds weird. Incarnation, what is that? Well, simply put, incarnation is, is a theological term that has been used for hundreds of years to describe this simply. The quality, the essence the glory and the love of God putting on or adding human flesh to his divinity. Essentially, incarnation was God becoming Jesus. And this, what we see here, is the biblical model for self-giving love. And so listening incarnationally simply means listening in a way that is modeled after the life and after the way of Jesus. And where we see this, I think most pointedly, is in the Gospel of John. So if you want to, you can open your Bibles, you can turn there, or you can follow along on the screens. John chapter 1, verse 14, he writes it this way. He puts it this way. He says, now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only full of grace and truth who came from the Father. Eugene Peterson, his message translation, he puts it this way. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. He moved into the neighborhood and we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Now, what I think is really interesting here in this first chapter of John is that John doesn't write, he doesn't put it this way, he doesn't say that God became flesh. He doesn't say God became flesh. He says what? He says the the word became flesh. And so what what does John mean by the word? What is he trying to communicate when he said the word became flesh? And I know many of you woke up this morning and you came here to church and you weren't expecting like a mini amateur philosophy class, but that's where we're going right now, okay? I'm just giving you a heads up. In order to understand this fully, that's where we have to go. So get ready for that. It's only going to take a couple minutes, all right? In the Greek, this word for the word is this word, um, it's a lot of words right there, Is, is, is logos, is this word logos. And to the Greeks, in ancient Greek philosophy, logos was the impersonal, harmonious, and divine structure of the cosmos. That's what the logos was. According to Plato or the Stoics, they described it as divine reason. And so this logos, according to Greek thought at the time that John was even writing this, existed alongside of God, alongside God, and it was kind of this intermediary between the immaterial world of God and our material world of existence and stuff that we see in the here and now. And so here's, here's why this is important for the Greeks. For, for many of the Greeks, everything they saw in this world trees, animals, clouds, all of these things pointed to a greater reality beyond itself. And so for someone like Plato, he had this concept called the forms. And so you would go outside and you would look at a tree and you'd say, that's a beautiful tree. Well, according to Plato, that was an actual tangible tree, but there was a perfect idealized tree that existed in the mind of God, and according to Plato, that mind there was called the Logos. And in order to know God, you had to learn about the reality around you and ascend through toiling and laboring to learn the the stuff in this world and the mysteries of this world to know God, okay? Are we all tracking still a little bit? You with me? Okay, so th- there's this, they, oh sure, someone's like, let's just keep moving, all right? <laughs> there's this writer, a modern writer named Luke Faree, and he's got this book called A Brief History of Thought. He's a modern day dude. If you're looking, for, if you're looking to dive deeper onto this, this is a great book to read. But, but he writes, he's not a Christian, but he writes, he does this survey of philosophy. And, and in order to do like a, a good uh, survey of philosophy, you have to look at Christian thought, You have to look at the way and philosophy of Jesus because the way and philosophy of Jesus changed the world. In fact, this agnostic Luke 3, he says as much in his book, and here's why he says it. When he's looking at the, the philosophy or the way of Jesus, he points to John 1, and he says this idea here in John 1 changed absolutely everything because what John is saying here is that there wasn't this sort of ascending through knowledge of the world, but what we see in the Gospel is that there was this descent of the transcendent God through His Son, Jesus, into the material world. And so we don't ascend to the Logos, rather it, or or better put, He, descends down toward us. And we can know God through Him. We can know God through Jesus. And so here's why this is important for listening deeply. Okay, great job for kind of sticking through all of that. Here's why this is important to listening deeply. This counterintuitive movement of God, this counterintuitive unexpected movement of God toward us is the perfect model for us. It is the perfect model for what it looks like to move toward others and to truly listen to them. Incarnational listening is the love that we show to other people when we leave our world and show up into their lives and in their worlds and truly listen to them. Just like Jesus moved into our neighborhood, so to speak, and experienced what we experience, he felt what we felt, he saw what we saw, we can do the same for those around us. We can feel, we can feel the feels of other people, so to speak. Like have you ever heard in conversation you're talking to someone, and they say something, and then at the end, they're like, you feel me? You know what I'm talking about? You ever talk to someone, like, you feel me? And then you can say in response to them, like, yeah, I feel you. You know what I'm talking about, anyone? It's kind of like that, okay? You know, it's kind of like that, all right? So let's look at some of the implications of, of the incarnation as it relates to our relationship with other people and listening. One of the first things we see about the incarnation is this. Jesus left his world. Jesus left his world. And Jesus had every right to stay in his world, uh, at the right hand of the Father, in glory, uh, perfection. Uh, Jesus, it was more comfortable. It would have been easier, but he left that world. He left it. And we saw this months and months ago as we were studying Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Paul wrote this, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself how how much would this change our world around us if this is how we operated he goes on and he writes each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests but about the interests of others as well. And so he says in your relationships with one another, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had. And so he's not just saying, just get along, just be pleasant. He's saying, no, no, have the same attitude, have the same mindset that Christ had. And what is that attitude? It's this, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus left his world. What does this mean for us? In order for us to do this well, we have to leave the comfort of our own worlds. We have to leave the need to always be right, We have to to leave our own opinions and views and and, and we have to enter in to another person's world because that's also what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just leave his world, Jesus entered our world. Briefly mentioned it earlier, but, but Jesus experienced everything we experience. He had the full human experience. Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. And this is the really important part here. For we do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus understands us. He understands our pain. He understands what we're going through. He He has felt what we feel because he has totally and completely entered into it. Jesus spent time with other people. He walked with other people. He talked with other people. People interrupted him, and he did not rush them nor get frustrated at them when they interrupted him. A few weeks ago, we looked at that story where Jairus, remember this story where Jairus approached Jesus, wanted Jesus to heal his daughter, but then that woman interrupted him who was suffering for many years, and he healed her, and then he went to Jairus' house, and he resurrected his daughter, remember that story? That story is kind of, at the epicenter of that story is an interruption. The interesting thing about the Gospels is that, that, that nearly half of Jesus' miracles um, were interruptions. Were interruptions, nearly half of them. And when Jesus was interrupted, he didn't get frustrated. He didn't get short with those people. He stopped what he was doing. He looked those people in the eye He spent time with them. He gave them his attention. He was present to them, completely and totally present with them. The writer, uh, Christine Tippett, she puts it this way. She says, listening is about being present, not just about being quiet. It's about being present with people. I think many of us, we think, well, like, my, my job in listening is just shutting my mouth and being quiet. But it's so much more than that. It's it's being present, it's being attentive to the person that we're with. M. Scott Peck, another writer, he said this, you can't really listen while doing anything else. You can't listen while checking email, you can't listen with your phone out, you can't listen with the TV on, you can't listen while you're still doing that job around the house, you need to put those things down and be present. And so just a few ways that we can practice this uh, more practically uh, on how to be more present with people. First of all, we can give them our full attention might sound super obvious, but, but, but how few of us really do that in conversation with other people? People are full attention. How do you do that? Well, for one thing is you can look the other person in the eye and give them eye contact while they're talking to you. You can put down the phone, you can turn off the TV. Stop whatever you're doing, give your full attention. Another thing we can do, step into your shoes, or step into their shoes step into their shoes. This is sometimes called emotional empathy, and sometimes it means all that we can do is acknowledge their passion about a thing. We might not be able to fully understand it, but as someone's talking to us, what we can do in that moment is we can be like, hey, like, I hear you, and I hear how much you care, and I hear how passionate you are about this thing in the moment, and so I, 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 I just want you to know that I, I see that and that I sense that. You can step into their shoes Another thing we can do is avoid judging or interpreting while the person is talking. Avoid judging or interpreting. So one of the things that we oftentimes do when we're trying to listen to another person is we're merely rehearsing our responses to them. How many of you do that? Where you're listening to the person and all you're thinking about the whole time is what you're going to say in response to that person. If you're doing that, listen, you're not truly listening. You're not truly listening. Another thing many of us do uh, when another person is talking is how many of you are like a fixer in conversation? You're listening to the other person share what they're going through, their trouble, their problem, and the whole time you're thinking to yourself, I can fix that. And and here's how you can fix that. Listen, if you're doing that, you're not truly listening. Again, you're listening to respond. Don't, Don't judge anything while you're listening. Don't try to interpret it. Just sit there and be with them and listen and be present. And one more thing, you can summarize what they said. Summarize what they said, like echo back to them what they said to you, without judgment, without interpretation, without an attempt to provide like a solution or a fix. Like here's the thing, if you're confused about something someone else is saying, you can simply ask, hey listen, I I can tell that you really care about this. And this is really important to you, but I didn't really get this thing back here. Can you help me understand that? Asking questions like that is not insulting. It shows that you care, it shows that you're invested, it shows that you want to know more. And so, as we look at the life of Christ, we see that he left his world, he entered our world. But here's another important thing Jesus, in the incarnation, remained himself. He remained himself. The entire time he was here, he was fully God and fully man. He was God the entire time. And I think that a major fear that many of us have as we try to listen deeply to other people is that we are going to jeopardize or compromise our own values or our own views or our own thoughts on a thing if we sit with someone and really try to listen to them and really try to understand them but you have to hear this right now. Compassion toward others does not mean compromise. Being compassionate toward another person, it doesn't mean that you're compromising. Just because you're trying to understand someone else and where they're coming from, it doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't. And so as we seek to love others well, would the reality of this, that Jesus remained himself, would this free us up to to listen to other people well? to to step in their shoes and be present with them because in our divided world right now, our world needs more people who are asking questions like, what what do I need to know about this person? And how can I better understand them in order to love them better, rather than people thinking, what do I need to hear right now in order to respond and get my point across? And one more thing here, um, what we see in the incarnation is that Jesus lived between two worlds. Jesus Jesus lived in the tension between two worlds. He lived in the tension between the now and not yet. And as we see Jesus talking to his disciples, oftentimes he's sharing with them that this world that we live in right now is, is temporary and impermanent in a certain way. But we also see by the very nature of Jesus becoming like us, entering into our world, that he was validating this experience. Jesus did not cheapen this reality, this present day that we are going through right now. He understands it. He validates it. At the same time, he also points us to a greater reality in an age to come. And so why is this important? Well, when you truly listen to another person and enter into conversation with someone else, you yourself enter into two different worlds. You find yourself between someone's world and your own. And naturally, there's going to be tension there. Different opinions, different experiences. This is where different expectations rise up. This is where conflict can oftentimes flare up because of that tension. Here's the thing, what if, what if we saw these points of tension not as problems to fix, but what if we saw these points of tension as opportunities to show love? What if we saw that point of tension in our marriage not as something to simply overcome or get through, but what if we saw that point of tension in our marriage as as a way to show this sort of self-giving, selfless love? What if in this kind of ever increasingly like politically divided world, That instead of entrenching in some sort of political ideology, what if instead we were so secure in our identities in Christ that we were willing to enter into conversations with courage and with bravery and say to people who are very different than us and say to them, hey, I know this is a mess. This is quite chaotic, but can we just sit in this for a moment? And I just wanna sit with you and I wanna listen to you and I wanna understand you and I wanna be with you here in this tension. What if we viewed these points of tension not as opportunities to be right and not as opportunities to tell other people they're wrong but what if we saw them as opportunities to listen deeply and to love others deeply? The philosopher and theologian, this guy named Paul Tillich, I think he sums all this up perfectly when he says the first duty of love is to listen, is to listen. And so as we wrap things up here, I just I want you to think about that person that you brought to mind earlier this morning. That spouse, that friend, whoever it might be. That person who needs you to listen more to them. The person that you've been absent from lately. The person that you just can't seem to get on the same page with. Bring that person to mind, what what would it mean to the relationship if you were to approach them this week and say to them, hey, I'm sorry about the way things have been going between us. I'm sorry about the way that that we just can't seem to get on the same page, and I just have to say that as we've been talking, I, I haven't really truly been listening. I've been trying to get my point across, I've been trying to be heard. I wanted to be right. And so, so I'm sorry about that. And can we try again? Can we try again? What would it mean to that relationship if you approached it that way this week? Because that's the invitation. This is Jesus' invitation to us this morning to enter into other people's stories to enter into the brokenness, the pain, the beauty, the hurt, the victories, the triumphs, the failures of other people, and listen. Listen like he would listen. Listen incarnationally. And we listen this way when we become fully present in other people's lives, when we leave our world, when we enter into someone else's world, when we step in their shoes, we wrestle with the tension, and we listen deeply. Listen, this is an essential aspect of anyone who wants to have an emotionally healthy relationship with someone else. This is an essential movement of any follower of Jesus who wants to really, truly love others like Jesus loves. And so would we accept this invitation? Would we step into this this week? Would you stand with me now as we pray together? Jesus, we are so thankful that you entered into our world, that you became like us, that you left the glory of the Father and you came down here. You know what it's like to be us. You've suffered like we suffer. You, you have felt what we feel. And we are so grateful for that. We are grateful that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, who has been tempted like we have been tempted, but who has not sinned who lived a perfect life that that none of us could live, died a death that we deserved so that we could walk and follow you in the newness of life, empowered by your spirit. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray, God, would you empower us to be better listeners this week? Would you empower us to enter into our relationships, those that we're really close with, people in our neighborhoods? God, would we be a people who listen? Would we be a people who, when, when others encounter us, they would be like, man, those, those are people who really stop and take time to be present with you. Well, we want to do this because, Jesus, this is what you've done for us. Even in the midst of countless interruptions, you stopped and you were present and you were there. And so would we be those kinds of people? Would we be those kinds of people, God, because you've called us to love others as we love ourselves. And we want to be better at that. We want to be better at that in our own community. We want to listen to one another, God, and love one another more deeply because you said that when other people see how much we love one another, they will know that we are your children. And so I pray that we'd be better at that so we could shine a brighter light to our community and people could find the hope and healing they need here in Jesus. God, would you equip us, empower us this week to follow after you, we pray. Amen.